Today, joining me on the podcast, I have the Beer Mile American record holder, two-time Beer Mile world champ, Beer Two Mile world record holder, co-founder of Beer Mile Media, and co-host of the Beer Mile podcast, Chris Robertson. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a Friday when we're recording this, and I'm excited for it to be a Friday, excited for the work week to be over, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend. Awesome, me too. So how did you first get involved with running? Oh man, I was very young. Uh, my dad ran. Uh, he, my dad actually didn't run when he was younger, but he started running in his twenties, thirties, just running road races around the state of Iowa, uh, more or less. And so, got introduced to running through that, uh, attending road races on the weekends, and eventually just started jumping into the the one mile races uh, when when the when they would happen and would be, you know, you typically you have like a five k road race. Sometimes they'll have a kids mile race, and so I'd start jumping in those and. Uh, kind of grew from there. I played several sports growing up, baseball, soccer, basketball. Um, but then, and, and I did that as well in junior high. And then starting in high school was when I really focused on running uh, and and didn't do any other sports, just went all in on cross country and track. All right. And then fast forwarding a little bit, you went on to run club cross country and track at Iowa State. So why did you choose to pursue club um, sports? So I actually, I didn't make the team, unfortunately. I tried out for the Iowa State team my freshman year to try to walk on. And they, the way that they did it at that time was they had a one race where it was, if you can run 920 in the 3200 on the track, uh, basically the first week of school as a freshman, then we'll let you walk on. And needless to say, I didn't do that. Um, I, it was it was a super hot day. And I even if I, even if it was perfect conditions in a real race and not just me, you know, running out there on the track by myself, uh, I, it would have been hard for me to break 920 in, in the ideal conditions at that point. So, so yeah, I don't know. Coming off of high school, I didn't have a great ju- junior year of running in high school, and I really didn't pick up steam until track my senior year. And so by that point, it was almost too late uh, to really get offers or to get, you know, to even look at running D1 at that point. So. So I, yeah, I tried, I, I knew I was going to Iowa State already by the time uh, I was in the spring uh, of my senior year. And so I, I was going, choosing that school academically. And and so I just thought, I'll, I'll try walking on. If it doesn't work out, then the club team was actually something I didn't know about ahead of time. But after I didn't make the Iowa State team, uh, just met it, met some other guys that were, you know, out running on campus and found out about the club team through them. Did you ever try to walk on to the varsity team again? I did not try again. No, we, we had a couple people that were running with the Iowa State Club uh, at different points that did uh, get recruited or try out and, and get on. But at that point, once I started running club, I kind of realized that I didn't know if I wanted to commit like three hours mm-hmm. a day, four hours a day to the practices. I, I was really having a lot of fun in club. I met a lot of good people and it was still competitive enough where I didn't feel like I was not going to improve. Um, I'm sure I would have run faster if I was, you know, in a D1 program with a coach and spending a lot more time doing, uh, you know, working out. But with the club team, there were always guys faster than me that I was running with. And so I felt like I was still going to keep improving. And I did keep improving uh, under that system as well. But it was a lot more laid back and I could also focus on academics and also just have fun too and, and be somewhat of a normal college student, whereas you don't necessarily get to do that if you're running for a mm-hmm. D1 program. Yeah, so in in college, if you're running on a varsity team, especially at a competitive le- le- level such as Iowa State, 
you're really focused on like cross country and then indoor track and outdoor track. But when you're running club, could you also focus on, you know, maybe earning prize money at a road race? Did you ever do that in college? That is definitely a nice benefit is that we still had, there's still an organization uh, for club running. And so there still is a cross country, not really a season, but there's a regional cross country meet and then a national cross country meet. So you still get to compete against all the other clubs nationally in cross. And then there was also similarly a track meet in the spring. And so you get those uh, pieces and then also get to run unattached indoor track, outdoor track. So you're, you're getting all those normal seasons. But then, like you said, you do get, then you can run a road race throughout the year whenever you want and you're allowed to collect the prize money so even during mm-hmm. cross country season if it's september or october and there's a road race and they're paying 100 bucks to the winner 200 bucks to the winner yeah we would definitely go seek out some of those races in the des moines des moines iowa area and just see if we can make some money and and also just get a switch up from uh whatever season it was too so yeah that's the, that's definitely an added bonus is being able to mix in road uh with the cross country and track and then post collegially where did your running career go from there? Uh, so right after graduating from Iowa State, I moved to Chicago for for my you know first full time job. Started working as a consultant with Accenture, and so at that point, uh, I mean, it's always running has always been one of my top priorities, but never my top priority. I would say I I definitely you know valued family and friends pretty much overall else, I would say overall else, but then there's that balance of career and running that's always kind of in limbo. And sometimes of the year, like if you're, if I'm training for something very specific, maybe I'll in my head say that running is a bigger priority for a couple months, just to make my, make sure I'm doing all the right things. But there in the reality, there are times where you're just too busy with work or there's something big happening with work or a career shift and uh, running does kind of have to take the back seat. So I'd mm-hmm. say since graduating college over the past several years, I've I've continued running. I've never stopped running um, other than a couple, you know, injuries, but I've never just said, I don't want to run anymore. I've always ran uh, and and most of the time I'm always training for something as well. So Mm. the main, the main way I've been able to do that is through joining club teams in the Chicago area. So right when I moved here, I I joined the fleet feet racing team was with them for a few years and then decided that, you know what, I want to try having a coach. And so in fleet feet doesn't have a a coach uh, as part of that team. So I switched over to, uh, the DW running team in the Chicago area so that I could have a coach and try that out. And, and that's been great. Now, now I'm getting held accountable and I have someone making all those decisions for me. I just follow what's on the plan and it's a lot mm-hmm. easier from that aspect. So I think I'm kind of getting a resurgence now in improving my running again uh, and, and focusing on it a little bit more, you know, having that accountability and having a team atmosphere again. So what do you, what do you currently do as your day job? So my, full-time job. My career is I work for a tech company in uh, health and wellness space. Um, guess no secret, it's Virgin Pulse. The name is Virgin Pulse. It's one of the Virgin brands, uh, you know, Richard Branson. And people can look me up on LinkedIn and find it anyway. So I guess I don't mind sharing where I work. But uh, I, I was uh, a director of product management. So basically building our app uh, that that we put out in the market and, you know, design and, and user experience and figuring and working with our engineering teams and basically building the product. And then now I'm actually working as a uh, director of partnerships. So looking, talking to other companies in the, uh, in the space and understanding how we can partner to, you know, collectively grow sales, grow revenue, grow uh, member experience, all of those types of things. So that's my, that's my main, uh, 
you know, full-time job. And, and now it's been completely remote after COVID, we actually shut down our Chicago office. And so I work remotely from home, which has good things and bad things, some good things around training and having time to train mm -hmm. for running and being flexible, but also some bad things as well, just being kind of like stuck at home in an apartment all the time. <laughs> yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. So outside of your full-time job that you just talked about, um, you, the co-founder of Beer Mile Media and the Beer Mile Podcast, just talk about, you know, when and why did you decide to start this? Yeah, so it kind of just, it, it's, it's weird. So there, there's definitely reasons why it happened and, and a few uh, kind of drivers of, of why it started, um, but it kind of did just happen. And I don't think it would have happened without the pandemic, honestly, because it, that being working from home uh, and being remote was kind of how I could justify, uh, you know, having the time to do it. But basically going back, I, I've been competing in the beer mile for several years and uh, have always kind of thought that maybe there might be ways to grow the beer mile as a sport and just grow interest in it. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty entertaining, I'd say, um, at least in my opinion, but I, I it's not really like a, a mass sport. It's really like an underground thing that people do here and there with, with teammates or clubs or whatever. Um, and so I definitely see an opportunity just from the, the aspect of the beer mile as a sport to grow into something more than what it is. And then also the other piece was that the beermile.com has been around for 20 plus years and it's the database of all beer mile results. There was also an opportunity that came about in the last year to buy that website and uh my friend and business partner adam sherson and i we've, we've also always wanted to kind of start a podcast too and so it was kind of all these pieces coming together where it's like okay we ha we have the opportunity now to buy mirabound.com we want to start a podcast we're working from home so and, and also i've competed in the beer mile and so do we just kind of ride that ride that uh that tailwind as well of me having you know competed at beer mile world championships to kind of put everything together and create Beer Mile Media, um, and then the Beer Mile Podcast, which we really we really see a gap in track coverage, running coverage, where it's there's not really a good avenue aside from some podcasts, but there's not really a great avenue for athletes to kind of get their story out there on an ongoing basis. You think about NBA or NFL, there's just always these storylines developing. Any college, uh, you know, basketball, college football, always storylines developing, uh, and that's not really done in the running world. You kind of see someone race and then you don't see them for a month and then you see them race other than what they share on Instagram. And so, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's always just about their running. And so uh, we wanted to, as part of the podcast, take the angle of bringing the athlete's story to people and people being not necessarily just runners, trying to get people that don't even run interested, which is kind of the beer, the beer angle on it. Uh, you know, the general public coming into uh, getting them interested in running. And then also just, athletes have a lot of cool personality that gets hidden a lot of times that doesn't come out. And so trying to tailor it and not really ask about running specifically, but trying to ask about kind of more other aspects of their life too. Obviously running is a, is a part of it, but uh, so long answer to, to the question there, but it, it kind of just all these kind of pieces came together in, in 2020 that just, it just kind of made sense to go all in and say, all right, if we're going to do this, like, let's do it all at once. Let's buy the website. Let's start a podcast. Let's start a YouTube channel. Let's 
if we're gonna if we're gonna dive into this, like let's actually put in the effort and go all in and uh and see where this thing can go. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. How how did you get start started running the beer mile? Like most people, I would assume uh, it was one of those things that my my Iowa State club team would do uh, just a couple times a year for bragging rights, just for the heck of it. Uh, and so from then. I, in one of, and I wasn't, I, the first few times I did a beer mile, I wasn't anything special at it. I was like one of the best in our club, but I was running like around seven minutes, maybe a little under. And then it just so happened that, uh, I was getting kind of just naturally getting better. Like each time I did, I'd get a little bit better as well as then flow track had the 24, I think it was in 2014, their first ever beer mile world championship. And I watched that event with my club team uh, just hanging out. And I was like, dang, this is like a real thing. Like we always just did it for, you know, uh, just for, yeah, for bragging rights, just, I don't know, something fun to do a couple times a year, just for the laughs. And seeing that it was like this real thing, there was prize money, Flowtrack was putting it on, Nick Simmons competed in it. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should actually like see if I can, I don't know, have a good time in this. What does it take to qualify? And so I, I kind of just practiced like, chugging water, uh, chugging, whatever, and did a beer mile my senior year and ran 528. And it luckily it was fast enough where Flowtrack then invited me to the next championship. I would just barely, they said, if you can run under 530, you can come. And I ran 528. And so uh, that's really how it all started. It was, it was, it, I, I didn't really even know it was a sport until Flowtrack put it out. And then I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm like in the six minute range right now. I think I can drop 30 seconds to get a trip to go to this uh, flow track championship. And, and then from there, it's just every year it's, it's the flow track went on for a couple of years. They don't have that anymore, but then there's the beer mile world classic, which is now the official world championship every single year. And so I've just continued doing that every year and uh, just, yeah, continuing to chip away at getting a little bit faster at it each time. So you just mentioned you ran like 528 to qualify for that. Yep. And now you're a 437 beer miler. So how'd yeah. you, how'd you go from 528 to, or you started in like the seven minute yeah. range in college to 437 and now the American record holder? Very, yeah, it, it definitely takes a lot of practice. At least it did for me. There, there, there are very few people that I know that can go out and crush it the first time. I mean, the main, the, the only person really that I know that did that is Corey Belmore, uh, who has the world record, who just the first time he went out, I think he ran 439. So that that's a different level. Most people, you, there, there's kind of two pieces. One, you have to be fast at the mile because you can't, you can't run, you know, in the fours for a beer mile, if you can't at least run low fours for a mile. And then the chugging piece is, is like, almost like uh like golf or bowling it's like a skill that you have to just have a lot of repetitions of and it doesn't have to be chugging beer it can just be chugging water out of a bottle but you just have to have so many repetitions of it and it's really hard to get used to the feeling of like you just ran a hard lap a hard 400 and now you have to uh like slow down and grab grab your beer and be able to hold your breath for six or seven seconds to chug the beer and then start running again. So basically you're, you're running an all out mile race, but then you got to hold your breath for six, seven seconds at a time to chug a beer and then be able to start, you know, running your mile race pace again off of that while you're burping. So it's just, it's just like such a weird event that you have to do it enough times to get used to it. And, and really it's just, for me, it was just the, 
number of repetitions, just chugging water at my kitchen sink and just getting used to that volume and getting used to just chugging it quickly. Uh, that was the main piece. So, and then, and then the running as well, I've gotten, so now, now I'm kind of at the point where I think the chugging, it's not gonna get any faster. I'm basically chugging it as fast as it comes out of the bottle. So I got that piece down and that's where I cut easily cut like a minute, minute and a half off my time over the years was just because it, I'm not standing there like taking sips and, you know, <laughs> hanging out at the finish line, taking my time. Uh, now, now it's just going down as quick as it'll come out of the bottle. Uh, so now going forward, it's just how much faster can I get at the mile? Can I, can I drop another five to 10 seconds in the mile? And if so, then that would, you know, translate into me getting the world record. Um, but it, it, it's just all about, yeah. Can I, can I run a faster mile race at this mm -hmm. point? So correct me if I'm wrong, but the current world record is 433 held by Corey Bellymore. Yep. So correct. you're only, you're only four seconds off four that. Seconds off. Yeah. Do you yeah. plan on getting that anytime soon? I am going to go for it this spring for sure. Uh, either probably may and, and it, it might take a couple attempts. I, I don't do, I mean, I don't do merit many beer miles. I usually do a couple leading into like the beer mile world championship every year, just to practice. And so I'll, I'll what I'll probably do is like say mid May, I'll probably do one and go for it. Um, but then say like basically just, and if I'm like, you know, close enough, like say I'm in the four thirties somewhere and I'm like, okay, I think I'm in a good enough shape to do this. I just need to have the right day. Then I'll probably just do one, like say once a week for a couple of weeks and see if I can get it. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of, it's kind of like, just like racing yeah. track in general. You, uh -huh. your first race of the year is like, you, you get faster. You're, you know, throughout the season, partly just because you're getting used to racing again and, and that feeling of it. And so, so I wouldn't expect to break it the first time, but the plan is, yeah, definitely throughout May to give a couple cracks at it and see if I can mm -hmm. get it. Yeah. I watching your YouTube videos, I know you took a couple attempts at it at the yeah. track at the lake, mm -hmm. but that track is very windy. And I know you'd probably know this cause you work out there often, right? Yep. Um, so you ran like, would you run on that track on a pretty windy day? Cause it's always windy there. Yeah, so my best on that track's the 438, so just one second okay. off. And then the so, 437 was, yeah, 437 was at a track in the suburbs of Chicago. Still, still probably pretty windy, though. But, Definitely, yeah. But um, they re the Chicago Park District recently built a new indoor track facility on the south side. Have you ever thought about, you know, renting that out? And just like banging out a beer mile, perfect conditions. It's a nice banked track. I bet you can easily just talk to the park district, rent it out and just, you know, run an indoor beer mile world record. You know what? That would, that is actually a good idea. You know, I haven't really thought about that. I have thought about the idea of doing an indoor track beer mile because I, so my personal favorite of all the everything cross country track, whatever is indoor track specifically. I just, uh -huh, me love, too. I just love the like 200 meter track, the bank track, like, some people say that there's way too many laps. It it's it's like slow. I think it's the opposite because each lap goes by so quick. I just love how fast it it ticks off. So honestly, I think I could maybe even run faster on an indoor track for it. Well, and like you said, the wind the wind is a big piece yeah. of it too. So because um, I'm not going to have anyone in front of me to like draft off of or anything uh, mm -hmm. you know, doing it. So. I, man, if I if I could find a way to rent that out, that would definitely I would be all for it if they would be okay with it. That'd be the main thing is, do they allow alcohol in there? Um, and 
what would I have to do to, to make sure that I'm not going to get in trouble for doing it? Cause that's always my, been my thing of indoor track. I've always said, Oh, it'd be fun to just do one, but there's never really a track that I know of that doesn't have people on it where I wouldn't get in trouble for doing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'm just with you on the indoor track vibe. I love indoor track more just cause you know, I, I work out on the same, the Wilson track, just like you and anybody else who trains in Chicago would know what we're talking about. Um, if you don't, it, there's like, 15 mile per hour wins pretty much every day and that's like standard on a bad day it's like 20 miles per hour uh, or 25 and on a good day it might be like 10 miles per hour so but and then you know going on an indoor track it just feels like you can run so much faster so much easier and that track is the gately track on the south side it's nice it's new it's fast it's banked so i definitely recommend i i, I wouldn't i honestly don't think it'd be too hard for you to run it out just because park district is pretty chill with those things it might cost you like maybe around three hundred dollars for like an hour but yeah for for you know if you're gonna run a world record that that might be worth it for the investment yeah. i mean mm-hmm. honestly i think it, i think it would be worth it yeah because that because uh-huh. part of the problem too with yeah like montrose the the wilson track in chicago uh mm-hmm. like you said is so the convenient the, the good thing is the convenience in that yeah. I live like a half mile away so i can just i can walk over there and uh, you know, if it's not a good day, it doesn't matter. I didn't really waste any, yeah. but, but the problem is that you have to, yeah, you have to wait for like that one or two days a week. That's like not horrible windy. And then also sometimes when I walk over there, the track is just so packed. It's like, you're going to be weaving around people. And so there's also that factor where you can't really, like, I couldn't right now say, all right, on May 15th, I'm going to go for it at that track because yeah. there's so many factors that could ruin mm-hmm. it uh, from that attempt. But whereas the indoor track, I could say that. I could just say, yeah, May 15th the day, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll look into that. That's a good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, you could have you could have a live stream and everything. It'd be, you could charge like, you know, $2 for every person if you, if you want to put a paywall on it since you are spending a lot of money to rent it out, like two, two, $2 per person just to watch this for like 15 minutes would be pretty cool. Um, but moving off of that, uh, Westfly Athletics has recently recruited Corey Bellymore. What do you yeah. think about that? Be your mile world record holder. <laughs> I, I really want to know what the details of that are. If that's if that's just like Westfly just sending him some gear and he wore it in a race or, or what that is. But I mean, I, 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 I told Corey this and I'll, I'll say it again here publicly court, like whatever Westfly is offering him, I will offer him more to be <laughs> sponsored by beer mile media because I, Corey, Corey's an awesome dude. Uh, obviously he, he's undefeated at the beer mile. He is also just super fast Canada Olympic hopeful. So yeah, I, I can up the price of whatever Westfly has given him for sure. I'm not like rolling in the dough here, but I'll offer him more than what Westfly did for sure. How, how do you fund all of the, you know, everything beer mile media? Cause it seems like you, you're You guys are going to travel out to these races and spending a lot of money to just film yeah. and everything. How do you get the funds to do all this? And is it, are you making a return on your investment? No. So we are definitely losing money at this point. Um, it's uh, it's all, funded through Adam and I's day jobs, basically, where we're, you know, working our day jobs and using that money to funnel back in. And so, yeah, we we're we, at least we start, we have some revenue now, at least, you know, YouTube, uh, YouTube ads now that we have a thousand subscribers, like some, some little pieces coming in, but no, we're definitely losing money still. I'm hoping, uh, 
hope probably YouTube would be the main revenue source going forward. Um, but, but also, I mean, we're hoping to land some sponsorship at some point. I, that's the other thing that I've been really trying for both, you know, myself and then also us as a podcast and a YouTube channel is having some sort of beer sponsor would be, I think it would be a great opportunity for a beer company, uh, to, to get in front of a lot of listeners as well as, um, you know, I would gladly promote the heck out of them, uh, whatever the case would be. I think some sort of sponsorship like that is kind of how we flip it and actually start making money on it. But, but like you said, yeah, we, we bought beermile.com, the website, which wasn't cheap because it's gets a ton of, ton of hits, uh, and then funding the different trips and everything. But we also kind of look at it too, as like those trips, like going to the Texas qualifier meet, going to Scottsdale, Arizona to meet up with Colleen and Craig and Eric, like those kind of things we would just do as vacation for fun ourselves anyway. So it's like, yes, it's business, but it's also, it's also fun anyway. It's, it's mm-hmm. what we would have done just for, for leisure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ho- ho- ideally we don't continue to lose money forever, but we're having fun doing it. So it's like, yep. you know, we're, we're paying for our hobby basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So beer mile media is doing such a great job of taking over the running world that Westfly CEO Everett Smolders is getting a little bit jealous. So when did this beef between you and Westfly start and who yeah, started he, it? He, he definitely started it. He, he DM'd me randomly one day on Instagram, <laughs> like several months ago. Well, I don't know, maybe three months ago now, something like that. And just said, like, I could crush you in a beer mile. And I was like, okay. Um, I mean, I've heard this before. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that super fast runners and you know, whatever they can party. He can drink like 15 beers. Great. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can chug beer super fast while running and combine the two. And I've, I've heard so many people say that they could, you know, absolutely crush a beer mile. Cause I'm good at running. I'm good at drinking. And the only person going back to Corey Belmore, this is the only person I've ever seen the first time just absolutely crush it. Like everyone else, there's a learning curve. And so we kind of went back and forth in the DMS and I was just like, all right, whatever. I'll believe it when I see it. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I know you're faster than me, so I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm just saying like odds are you're probably not going to do it, especially on your first few attempts. And then the beef became public and took it to, uh, like, I think then the next thing was he made his video on Instagram of him, like hitting the beer can with the baseball bat and saying that he was going to crush me. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of entertaining. I mean, he, you know, I, from my perspective, I, I know he's like attacking me, whatever, but I personally don't mind. Like, I, I think he definitely is attacks people way, way too much. Um, you know, all of that, but from my perspective, I'm fine. Uh, I, I don't, I don't mind the, the beef coming at me personally. I, I think him attacking people is like his marketing strategy. Like it's a hundred percent his marketing strategy. <laughs> Yes. And yes. I think, I think it works pretty well because a lot it, of people jump on it. It's definitely working. It's it, he's definitely isolating part of the potential audience, but he's also the audience that he is gaining is very committed and loyal. So I guess he, mm-hmm. you know, he's polarizing. I mean, that's the right word for it. He, mm-hmm. So he's, he's getting a lot of hate and he's getting a lot of fans and, you know, it, whatever his strategies. I, what can I say? He's got, <laughs> he's got more, uh, he's got more subscribers than we do. So it is what it is on, on YouTube than mm-hmm. we do. So it is what it is, but I, yeah. I want to actually race him. Like he, he will not race me, which is what's really frustrating is that he, he talks all this beef and then he won't actually race. He just keeps saying like, 
that I'm slow and that he's going to beat me, whatever. But I'm the, I'm the one that's willing. To, I, I would literally fly to his town next weekend if I had to, or drive down mm-hmm. there and, and mm-hmm. race him, but he's refusing. So, you know, at, at this point he's kind of just do, he is just doing it for the attention, which is, that's what annoys me is it's like actually show up and race me if you want to race. Yeah. And I feel like his way of just pr- pr- portraying himself in Westfly Athletics on social media does get not only a lot of people to notice him, but a lot of engaged followers. Like he has a lot of high school boys just really like, you know, they hopped off that quote unquote tin beta wave and just yep. like yep. started saying alphas only. And then all of a sudden, you know, he just everyone's everyone's talking about it right now. It, it's um, crazy. I think you'll think this is funny. Like the number of DMs that I get from like Westfly fans now is crazy. So they're like after the last round of back and forth on actually the Harrier, the, I'm wearing the Harrier sweatshirt right now. They posted the picture like a week ago. And so then Westfly and I had all the, the comment chain and I started getting DMs from people saying like that I'm like, a, a, a pussy, a beta, all this stuff like that. I, that I suck. Like, Oh, my mile PR sucks. And then I, I go and click on some of these people's profiles and they're like high school class of 2023 class of 2024. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I, I would have never been so ballsy as a freshman or sophomore in high school to like call out someone who's clearly way faster than me. Um, it, it's just interesting. It's like, it is wild to see that there's like 14 year old and 15 year old kids, like all about his crazy, you know, alpha, uh, super crude way of, of doing things. So I don't know. I kind of, I almost, again, like some it's the internet. You don't want to, at least I, I like never want to put hate out there on anyone mm-hmm. because it's you, like people definitely take it personally and, mm-hmm. and you never know how someone's taking it. Um, that said, like when I'm getting those like hate mail or whatever from people, I, I personally, I'm like, it just fuels my fire. I think it's funny. Uh, yeah. I'm just like, I just don't even respond. I, I stopped responding to them because every time <laughs> I would respond, it would just be the same type of comments back. It's like, <sighs> like, whatever, you're just a beta. You're just a, <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> is. Is the beef between you and Everett Smolders real? Or is he just like, you know, paying you to help promote Westfly or something like that? <laughs> I wish he was paying me for it. No, no, it's, it's definitely real. Definitely real. Um, yeah, I, I, and that's why I, I want it to be, or at least I, I think it's real. I mean, I would assume it's real based on the number, but based on the attacks and everything, the only reason why I would think that maybe he is making it up and that it's not real is that he won't commit to racing me. So that's where, that's where I'm like, okay, maybe he is like just doing it to get the attention. And then he has no intention of actually racing me. Mm-hmm. I really don't know, but so- far as I know, it's real and I'm not getting paid and we're not behind the scenes, like telling each other, like, Hey, let's get each other. No, no, no. It's, it's all real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another group he also calls out is Tim and elite, but Tim and elite, like really don't respond to him at all. Really? They blocked him, yep. <laughs> but you at least have some respect for him where you respond to him. You respond to all these comments. Uh, or at least some of them from Everett yeah. Smolders. So, you know, why do you at least have the respect for him to respond to him and at least be willing to go out and race him? I, I So part of it is definitely like I, similar to how he's trying to gain clout by, you know, being extremist and, and talking beef, like similarly, I'm going to engage back and like uh, hype it up as well because I'd like, I know I can beat him. So that's why... <laughs> 
I might as well defend myself and try to race him because I think it would actually, I think it would actually be super entertaining. I think yeah. his, both his, his followers, our followers, like everyone would want to see that race. And so I want to make it happen. And so, yeah, responding to the comments and actually hyping it up and not, you know, backing down from it. Um, I don't know. That's kind of just the way, the only way to go. And I don't, I don't know if I'll, we'll, we'll see if this continues or whatever. I don't know if I'll keep, uh, just keep going on the beef or I, at this point, we really just need to set a race date if we're going to do it and, and go, go from there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't mind honestly kind of, kind of the saying no press is bad press. Like that's yeah. fine. If he, if he wants to call me out and, you know, help me get more attention and followers too, like I'll engage with that. Why not? <laughs> when, when you and him, if you guys ever race in a beer mile, how do you picture this race playing out? Like in your head? So in my head, he, I, I don't doubt that he can, he'll for sure crush the first beer really fast and he'll run the first lap really fast at least. So he'll, he'll be ahead of me. I, I see him ahead of me after a lap. Yeah. Maybe even two, maybe he's ahead of me after two beers, two laps, but I think he's completely underestimating that once he's out of breath, like he's on the third lap of a mile race and his stomach is all, you know, carbonated gurgly and he has to hold his breath and chug a beer. I think he's underestimating how hard that's going to be. And not, and it's not even just something you can like power through. It's like, you just have to have the repetitions to have the technique down. And so I, I think, I think probably around the third beer, I'm for sure, like, I'm out of the third beer ahead of him for sure, at the latest. And then there's, there's no looking back at that point, because I just don't, I don't think the third and fourth beer, he'll be able to chug them quickly and or he'll, he'll throw up or I just don't think he's going to be able to do it. So he'll Mm -hmm. go out fast. And that's fine. The faster he goes out, the more, the, the, the more he'll struggle with the later beers. Okay. I pulled up some of some comments on a Instagram post where you and Everett Smolders kind of went at it a little bit. I'm just going to read these. So listeners know what we're talking about. So you said, first of all, (laughs) you responded to an account called tin can elite. (laughs) (laughs) So like props to you for actually like responding to this meme account, probably run by like a high school boy hiding behind a computer screen. Um, you said he's preparing for a race he might not be good enough to even qualify for. And if he does qualify, he will get dead fucking last. <laughs> Everett Smolders can talk shit to me when he has two world titles. So, so do you actually think if he qualifies for the Olympic trials, he would get dead last? I, there's a chance. I mean, the, the thing is, is so I'm not, I'm not like denying that Everett's way faster than me. Like, yes, he's way faster than me at the mile. And yes, making the Olympic trials is impressive. But like the the thing about him is he, he thinks he's like a God and he calls himself an alpha. But the reality is on the pro running scene, like he's not that good on the pro running scene. Like he, if he gets into the trials, he's, he's not going to like make an Olympic team or anything. He'll be at the back of the pack at the Olympic trials, which is still, you know, I'm like nothing wrong. Like, I would yeah. love to be at the back of the pack of the Olympic trials in uh-huh. the mile, but that's not the point. The point is he's fighting me about a beer mile <laughs> and saying that he can't do a beer mile because he's training for the Olympic trials, but <laughs> the Olympic trials, he hasn't even qualified for. And if he does go there, it's not like he's making the Olympics anyway. So it's like, why don't you just drink the four beers and race me? Like that's it, the art. The point of his argument, he's just, it's in the wrong direction. Like that, that's what, that's why I was like, I need to engage with this. <laughs> do you think on his Westfly 
team after he graduates and if he does end up starting this Westfly team um that if he even like somehow recruits these top athletes to join Westfly athletics somehow do you think he's going to be like one of the lower class athletes on the team like because he's making fun of like Tinman Elite for being kind of quote-unquote beta and like finishing like lower in these races against college guys when he you know his last performance is like 342 finishing like second to last in um yeah. a college meet yeah that, and that's again like why he's calling out tin tin man so hard is it's like he's not faster than like he has a slightly faster pr than some of them in the mile but like they're, they're, he's like on the same level as them basically oh. like they're very equivalent and so <laughs> I don't know why he, I mean, he, he's kind of said like why he calls him out and part of it is just his marketing thing. But yeah, it's like, it's just funny. He's like calling these people out and he was calling out Jordan Gooseman recently. It's like, Jordan's way faster than you, dude. Like you, <laughs> you're calling out people faster than you. So it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And he just like, he's been talking very highly about Jordan Guzman Guzman before this. Like yeah, he's been yeah. talking about recruiting Jordan saying he's a quote unquote alpha the whole time and then all of a sudden when jordan said something mean to him he just started like you know talking yeah. shit about jordan and then yeah he got into this beef he he just yeah he's he's burning some bridges so uh, <laughs> if he burns a bridge with every athlete out there eventually no one's gonna want to join his team anyway if he, <laughs> if he is successful but uh-huh. yeah I, I don't know we'll we'll see where it goes i mean i i think he has good ideas in general like just like he wants to start a, a new team great. He wants to sponsor athletes. He wants it to be brand agnostic or like look at brands that aren't running brands. Uh, you know, I like all that, that. That's all great. But yeah, how he funds it. Uh, I don't know how to, how do you actually pay these athletes? And then um, he's probably just going to fall into doing YouTube videos, which is what Tin Man does and what he gives Tin Man shit for yeah. making money. It's like he, he makes fun of Tin Man or gives them shit for doing YouTube videos and merch, but that's exactly what he's going to do to make money too. So, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. whatever. It's, it's a little uh-huh. hypocritical in my mind, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know. I'm curious to see where it goes regardless. What do you think about what he's saying about like Westfly taking over the world and not just in a running team, but like he, I heard him talk on another podcast about how Westfly is going to be like a whole hedge fund he's gonna like own all this real estate and make money off that it's gonna be like a million billion dollar uh company (laughs) what do you think about that i i mean i i give him credit for having big dreams like that's a good thing he should have big dreams uh i mean Uh the odds of it happening yeah basically zero there's a (laughs) there's a non-zero chance but it's basically zero uh Uh So, you know, good good for him for having big dreams. I mean, I'll say the same thing. Like, Beer Mile Media, we're going to be the biggest running podcast out there or whatever. Like, there's a chance. You know, it's a non-zero chance. But it's, it's you know, probably relatively low probability. But I'm certainly going to try. But I'm, but I'm not claiming that I'm going to own all the real estate in, in Chicago. And also, uh, I start <laughs> to, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with, you know, one stick in my lane for a little while before <laughs> making those big of claims. I don't think uh, putting a couple hundred bucks in Robin hood and playing with it counts. As- <laughs> <laughs> what is your, to finish with Westfly, what is your overall opinion on Everett Smolders and West Westfly athletics? Your honest opinion. Honest. So honest opinion is, I think, 
I, I like his commitment. I like his vision on what he wants to do. Um, I would say definitely disagree with his execution <laughs> on just the just attacking people in the hate. Like it's one thing to start beef, uh, but it's another thing to like attack people and say that they're whatever. I, I like it's it's one thing that it's one thing to talk crap about beating someone in a race, but then it's another thing to basically like attack someone's personal life and all these other things too. So I, I think his execution is going to come back to haunt him a little bit. And I think, I think probably five years from now, he'll regret a lot of the stuff he says um, when he alienates and isolates a lot of people, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe he, his personality type is cool with what he's doing and like, he'll never regret it. And he'll, he will become the biggest brand in running. Like that could definitely happen. But, uh, um, I would say odds are, odds are low. And so I don't know if, if I were him, I would want to have more friends and allies on my side than enemies. That's just the way that I would approach it. Do you, but do you think he's pushing the sport forward? I, I think it's too early to say is what I would say. I, <laughs> okay. I, 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 I get, I think there's, I mean, he's definitely getting people more engaged. It's just a matter of, is it like the right type of engagement? Is it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd say, I'd say too early, too early to tell at this point. Okay. Okay. So what are some of your goals for the future of beer Mal media? Man, uh, we have quite a few, honestly. So the podcast, we want to obviously continue to expand and just grow our, grow our audience, have, keep having on really high end guests. And also, I guess not only high end guests, we want, we want to have like up and coming athletes as well and be able to get their story out there. So it's, it's really, it's really any unique story, but you know, we want to grow the podcast continuously that's definitely a thing but i'd say for the podcast specifically like the goal would be to have it be an in-person podcast as much as possible down the line since we're going the video route because i think that'll bring a lot out of it and and so that's the goal there as far as beer mile media as a whole kind of a lot of things so we're, we're rebuilding beermile.com to be like right now it's basically just results a database of people submitting results but we're trying to do a lot with that so uh a couple things would be around like betting on beer miles, betting on races, gambling uh, would, would definitely be a part of that. Now, obviously there's legal implications of that, but we're trying to figure out, you know, ways to do that in order to get there. We need to build out a lot of things on the site. Um, kind of the ability to uh, scroll, th- make, making beermile.com like a media platform where you can, see the latest and greatest across all sorts of events that aren't just your typical running events. Like it's not just the beer mile. It's meant to cover really any sort of uh, quirky event that you can mm-hmm. think of that kind of combines running with anything. And so trying to bring, bring more people that aren't runners into the running world by the avenue of, you know, beer or anything else that goes along with it. Um, and then also just bring entertainment to, to runners as well. And so expanding, expanding the overall like offering and entertainment value of the beer mile, creating a running club around that, the ability to uh, kind of have a community around running and, and beer culture, I guess you could say, uh, 
there's just a number of things that we have ideas on what to do. And we're still, you know, still figuring things out as we go, trying to understand what the, what the best sequences or priority is to, to tackle everything. Um, but we could definitely see someday where like in the ideal state where there's, uh, you know, the ability to watch beer miles live on our site, bet on them live, uh, all, all sorts of cool things like that. Different, you know, running clubs, meetups in your city around, you know, meeting at the a local brewery who's sponsoring a, a group run and had, uh, you know, you get to try out all their new beers, a lot of different, a lot of different ways we could go. Um, <laughs> and, and also just, I mean, for myself personally, trying to get the beer mile world record, uh, just keep making cool, cool YouTube videos along with it. Um, kind of also thinking of, and I think a good person for this and some of, some of his stuff, Nick Simmons, some of his stuff on YouTube is kind of like, ah, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like some of his stuff is definitely clickbaity, but also at the same time, kind of that vibe of like, there's fun and challenges yeah. that you can do mm -hmm. around running and fitness and being healthy, but you can do it in a way that brings in more people than just runners. And so we're kind of thinking of it like in that approach that he has, and he's done a good job with it, thinking of it that way um, and kind of layering in like the, the, the beer culture piece of it too. Mm -hmm. In the future, if the beer mile podcast, you know, grows, as you mentioned, um, do you ever see the beer mile podcast getting to a point where it's kind of like the Joe Rogan experience where you guys have this whole like studio you're doing podcasting like full-time or content creating and you guys are like inviting these people paying them money so it can also help improve the sport it just you know you can pay people for these appearance fees um do you ever see the beer mile podcast getting to that level that would be ideal yeah i mean that would be the dream would be to have everything in person and yeah there are a few podcasts like joe rogan does that even i'm um, thinking of someone like specifically in the fitness area like rich roll does that where basically you you fly someone to your your studio and yeah and then we could have all like a setup there where it's like if you want beer or whatever like we're just hanging out having a good time yeah uh, yeah that would be that would be awesome and we would love to be able to um well one you know have have enough money coming in to have a, a solid studio but but also I do think it would be very beneficial to be able to pay people for their appearances because it is, you know, a time commitment for them. And it's, you know, outside of their, you know, quote unquote day job. It's not like they have to be doing it. And, mm -hmm. and, and as the podcast, you know, we're getting views and sponsors out of other people's time. And so it would be, it would be great to be able to also, yeah, pay people at least, at least cover that a trip for them and get, let them, you know, have a cool experience um, and, and ideally even more, you know, paying them for their time, you know, giving them an appearance fee. I, yeah, that would, yeah, you summed up perfectly. I mean, that would absolutely be the ideal. And then that would also allow us to go, not just runners too, yeah. you could really branch out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be all sorts of, I mean, triathletes, ultra runners, but then you could just get into just general big names. Like Joe Rogan has everyone from business yeah. leaders to athletes to, and that would be amazing. I would, I mm -hmm. would absolutely, that'd be a dream come true, honestly. Mm -hmm. To any of the listeners who think they have what it takes to run a fast beer mile, a wink, wink, Everett Smolders, what <laughs> tips do you have for them? Man, uh, start, start with chugging water. I think that's it. Um, it just take that, take that empty can or bottle, set it by your kitchen <laughs> sink. And, uh, just anytime that you're thirsty during the day, just fill it up and see how fast you can drink it. I think that's, 
that's the best way to train for it, honestly. And then mm-hmm. get to the point where you can do like four of those within a couple minutes, you know, just fill it up, chug it, wait, it, wait 30 seconds, fill it up, chug it. And then if you're doing that and you're already a, you know, a solid runner, I think that's, that's it. Combine those two and uh, yeah, impress, impress your friends or competitors or teammates or whoever you're going out there to do a beer mile against uh, by even, even if you've never done a beer mile, you can be pretty good at it just by standing by your kitchen sink and practicing the chugging. So it's a good way, good way to impress your teammates and friends. (laughs) Okay. What are you currently training for right now? Right now I am, I I mean, I I would honestly say the beer mile world record is probably the main thing, like the main, the main goal for the next couple of months. I think that would be awesome to do. I'm also going to be doing a, a tra- at least one track 5k, maybe a couple at some unattached at some meet. So I'm hoping to, hoping to run a PR in the 5k, um, hopefully run around 1430 or so if I can. And then the like longer term, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the beer mile world record goes well, whatever this summer, I'm going to be spending a few months in Colorado and I'm actually going to be racing the Pikes Peak Marathon in August. And so uh, just trying something completely different. Uh, I've always loved trail running. Going to see if I have any talent at all in in trail running and mountain climbing. And I absolutely love Colorado. So yeah, that'll tell a lot. You know, if if Pikes Peak, if I really suck at it uh, and, and, you know, I'm not as good as I think I can be, then that's great. It was a fun, a fun experience. Got to do it, but you know, maybe, maybe the bright side of it is I do better than I could have imagined and realized maybe I have a shot at being better on the trails, you know, from a competitive side nationally than I do from just regular running. And maybe that leads into something else long-term. So, mm. um, so yeah, Pikes Peak Marathon will be the focus this summer. And then uh beer mile world championships are in o- October this year. So that'll be another one. And that'll be my chance to, go head to head against Corey Belmore and see if I can close the gap on, on him uh, beating me every single time. We'll see if, mm-hmm. we'll see if I can uh, close that gap down and, and get a little bit closer to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So moving on, um, I looked when I was doing my due diligence for this podcast about you, I came across your website and I, if anybody I have on this podcast, I do some pretty extensive research. You know, I don't do what you guys do where you guys really like ask their family members about them, but, (laughs) but, um, I, I try to find everything I can. And I found that, um, you write blogs or you used to, and back in 2017, you wrote a few articles about Bitcoin and you wrote about how Bitcoin is a buy. And at this time it was around a thousand dollars a coin. Now Bitcoin is around 60,000. So please tell me you've been holding Bitcoin since 2017. <laughs> oh, you dug, you dug uh, into a good place. Yes. I, uh, I was a big fan of Bitcoin from, from the early days. And uh, yes, we will, we will say that I, all the Bitcoin that I bought in my life, I've never sold any. I'll just say. Oh, that. wow. <laughs> no, you- mostly, mostly because I would, would not want to have to pay the taxes on it at this point uh-huh. because it basically the government's going to take like 40% if I ever sell it. But yes, I, I will, I won't, I won't say how much, but I, I have been holding everything and I'm going to continue to hold it because I think long-term it's still a good, good opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been holding any other cryptocurrencies? I am holding some Ethereum. Okay. Uh, 
similarly bought similarly bought like some around the same time and and i guess not not just 2017 over the over a couple of years but uh but that's it no have not played with dogecoin or <laughs> or anything like that um sticking sticking to the two big ones and uh-huh. uh keeping it as little risk as possible although there's probably you know still still good risk uh-huh. but yeah mm-hmm. no dogecoin what do you what do you think about some people are saying that if they if if the world found out who created bitcoin it would go to zero what do you think about that <laughs> I definitely disagree with that. Um, <laughs> I, I think at this point, every day that goes by that Bitcoin lives on, the risks of it ever going to zero just keep decreasing or or the risks of any government saying, no, it's banned or like, you can't just ban computing and, you know, math and like this network <laughs> that's, that's so big across the world. So no, at this point, I, I mean, there's always a risk that, yeah something some crazy event will happen or like somehow it does get hacked or something that basically everyone sells and is like get me out of here (laughs) could happen of course but Uh every day that goes by i'm getting more and more confident that it's not going to go to zero (laughs) it's gonna it's Mm -hmm. gonna at least have value longer term Mm -hmm. okay awesome so i have a couple let's run threads just two Uh, i'm gonna read and just let me know your your reaction okay uh wtf i beat this guy regularly over the mile in high school and i know damn well i've drunk more booze than him since some people have all the luck (laughs) i think i actually saw that one uh i really want to know who that is Uh, i really want to know uh i I mean it could be a lot of people because i did get beat a lot in high school i didn't win very many races so there's a lot (laughs) of people that were beating me in high school uh man i don't I, i wouldn't say all the luck necessarily i mean i I don't know if if this person would combine the running and beer drinking and run sub five for the beer mile, then they could have all the luck too. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't say I have all the luck. I would say I was pretty, pretty diligent about just sticking with it for, for several years and mastering the, the art of the beer mile, I guess you could say. <laughs> number two, we already touched on this a little bit earlier, but if the beer mile was marketed correctly, it would be an incredibly popular with the public. I go back and forth on this. I, I do think there's opportunity for it to be a lot bigger than it is. The, the counterpoint to that would be, it is, it could be looked at as kind of like a, a gimmick or a one-time thing where like you, you see a couple beer miles and you're like, okay, like, cool. I saw it. It's, I don't need to like keep watching it. Like you, I would never be and myself too. I would never be like on the couch on YouTube and just watch like 10 beer miles in a row, like all the way through. That's not really, that's not really like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's something about it that it's a kind of, you've seen it, it's impressive. And then you move on. So the only, so I guess to that post though, if it was marketed correctly, yeah. If it, if it were more like, I mean, honestly, if it were more like what Westfly is trying to do or like, you know, UFC style where there's like these, I think if there's prize money in it, that's definitely a way. If people, if, if people are competing for something and there's a storyline there, then yes, it could definitely be way bigger than it is. Um, and could be marketed really well. The, the Really what you need is you need to have a super competitive race and say there's $10,000 to the winner of this race and get like all the good pro runners to show up because that's a better opportunity than going to any other track meet and they have a chance to make a lot more money. 
And if you, if you start doing something like that and get like a beer sponsor behind it, like a Budweiser sponsoring it or something. Yeah, absolutely. It can go up a ton from here. And that's part of why we bought beermile.com is because we see that potential, but, but it is, it is always something I think about in the back of my head of like, is this just a gimmick? Is this like, is there any long-term value in it as being like a, a sport that gets watched and followed over time? Or is it kind of one of those things where when the new world record comes, it's impressive. You see it sweet that's then that's it um mm. but i think the poster is correct if the if there's the right marketing power behind it uh i think there's a lot of potential mm -hmm. yeah in there you mentioned uh westfly's kind of ufc idea about the sport of check and field yeah that's one thing i think he has a pretty good idea with that because um listening to podcasts and his his actually his real idea is not just like throwing out some hate on social media um yeah. he thinks that there should be don't call me on this actually i'm not i don't want to be wrong about this but you know his i think i believe his ideas are where you know we should make check and field a sport where we have like press conferences make it more like how fighting is where all these guys like talk beef but it's not like serious beef because you know they both respect one, one another um in the ring and there should also be like one main broadcaster of the sport. There shouldn't be like flow track, runner space, diastat, all these things. What do you think about just like one, like NBC or ESPN taking over everything and just doing that? Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a ton of value in that. And that was actually what we, uh, was it? Oh yeah, just just our most recent Beer Mile podcast. We got to talk to Jesse Williams, and he was is the owner of Sound Running, and that was, that's kind of his idea too. And I think there's kind of a consensus that like a a league essentially that's like five races or ten mm -hmm. races, and it's all the same exactly like you said, the same broadcast, and it's a consistent. I mean, just like NFL or NBA, it's it's a set number of weeks. There's storylines that build week to week. Uh, it's each week matters, but then there's also like the ultimate, like winner of the overall league or championship and there's money on the line and there's all sorts of drama during the, during the season. Absolutely. I mean, that would, I think that would make track so exciting. And there's so many different ways you could do that too. You could, uh, on top, I mean, the simplest form would just be bring in 10 athletes and, you know, make sure you're paying them enough that they're incentivized to go to this and not go to any other races and just have them race every single week for several weeks. And then it's kind of like diamond league style, you know, whoever, or, or just, you know, adding up their places over the weeks, whoever does the best wins, but then you could layer in team competitions where maybe me as a distance runner, I'm combined with, to get people interested in other events, I'm combined with a shot putter and a high jumper on my team. And we're taking on, you know, whatever I'm taking on Everett and then Everett has a high jumper that's taken on my high jumper. And it's kind of like scored like as a team as well. And so then that way, every, every event matters. And so now as a distance guy, even though I don't know anything about shot put, I still know I want, you know, I still want my guy, Joe to beat their guy, Brian, or whatever the case mm -hmm. is and like, cause there's money on the line. There's a story there. So yep. I think there's tons of opera, a ton of opportunity around that. And mm -hmm. it's just a matter of getting, getting, like who has enough money as a company to bring in all these athletes and contract them and put on the production and everything. And that's, what's hard is I don't there, as of right now, there isn't something without that mm -hmm. big, big uh, money pool coming into it. Yep. But 
yeah, a UFC style, that'd be that'd be awesome. Like if, if you could, because then if you're in that close scenario and it's all kind of scripted to some extent, I mean the races would all be real. But then if it is kind of scripted, then you can just bash bash each other, trash talk, and you like everyone on the inside knows it's just for the storytelling. And so then it's yeah, it's free reign at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. Do you know who Carl Lewis is by any chance? I do. Yep. So yeah. So recently I listened to the podcast with him. He did with Flowtrack. Um, it was a little bit clickbait, like why track and field is broken or something. And his idea was that track and field is broken because there's too many professional athletes out there. And he he suggested the idea of we should have have it where to be a pro at the highest level, you need to be like good. Like what and what that could look like is like the top like 30 guys in the world all are in this like pro league or something and it's like a strict cutoff like 30 and then if you're not in top 30 30 you get kicked out and go down to the like amateur league where you might not have a contract but it would allow for these top top guys to have to not just have these you know mediocre contracts and instead have these contracts where it's at a level where it's competitive with like nba and in the nfl yeah. so what do you think about that idea I, I really like that idea. And I think that that actually would kind of work well, like in conjunction with the, like the, mm-hmm. the it's, it's the same, similar to the league idea where if you, yeah, if you have this league, um, whether it's like a brand, like it's Nike putting it on, or it's just, you know, uh, who knows, like Red Bull putting on a league. But if they're, if they're only saying, yeah, like we're going to have 20 people in this league and we're mm-hmm. all going to pay you more than what you're getting paid by yeah. your shoe sponsors. And then that's it then that and that becomes the thing then Mm -hmm. it would it would be that it would kind of end up being that exact structure Mm -hmm. where then if you're not good enough you get dropped and so that i mean that would be that'd be also would add to the storyline too because then every couple weeks or what what, whatever the cadence is if someone's not good enough and they get bumped down there's also that storyline of like every race matters because guy i'm a fan of he might get dropped and like go down to the b the b league and so that it would it would be very entertaining Uh-huh. It put it puts a lot of pressure on these athletes too, and it might, in a way, you know, make them perform better, but also it might stress them out a lot, just because like you know, it's like talk about like Senchowitz right now. He's the reigning Olympic champ, but then recently he just ran like three forty for fifteen hundred and one fifty for eight hundred. You know, he he'd probably be like not even competitive at the moment with like yeah. these collegiate guys. Yeah, the best it, guys in college. Running running does make it a little bit of a weird scenario mm-hmm. where yeah, people cut like with injuries and stuff, you go in and out of shape. Yeah. Like and and it it would it would completely change the sport because then you're not really like peaking for a race. So yeah. like you probably wouldn't see as many like super high-end fast times. Like you wouldn't see guys breaking 330 in the 15, but you'd see probably yeah. a lot of guys that are running like 335 every week, you know, or something like that. So it would it would mm-hmm. just be a different you, you would be kind of shifting like caring about Olympic medals and world records and mm-hmm. just shifting that to be more about like, yeah, be, beating everyone else mm-hmm. for consecutive weeks. Yeah. Or, or they could have something where it's like they're ranking you off your like last performance or something like that. So it's, it's, you know, the most up to date and it's, it's not like you have to race every single week to still be in here. They're, you know, they're taking yeah. in your last performance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. To all the listeners, you can find Chris's social media accounts in the description, as well as the Beer Mile podcast and Beer Mile Media, if you'd like to check that out. 
And lastly, I'd really appreciate if you can take the, a moment to subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Thanks again for listening and peace.